So you've got an interesting backdrop behind you for the benefit of people that aren't viewing my computer screen right now. They look more like edible mushrooms in, in terms of like non-psychedelic ones, like really oh, no, the, fat stalks. The, those are definitely psychedelic ones. Um, you know, they, they look, I, they're probably a version of penis envy with the, the stalk so thick like that, but those are definitely um, psychedelic mushrooms. I guess they're still growing, right? When the penis envy ones have been picked, then the head will sort of wilt a bit, right? A little bit. I mean, there's the the whole thing is there's all these different um, strains that people have been mixing together. So there's there's ones where the cap is just a lot smaller as it grows, and ones where the cap is a lot bigger. Uh, I, I would say that's probably a medium-sized cap that you're seeing in the background there. But you know, the the thick the thick stock is is uh, indicative of the penis envy lineage. So you know, people again mix mix different strains to get all sorts of different variants, and that, that's some of the interesting stuff that people have been doing with mushrooms. Wow, that's interesting to consider. Really, I've never thought about that. That folks are mixing strains just like with cannabis yep there's a lot of that going on and mushrooms have been getting stronger and stronger do you offer those ones at, at the dispensary at the church well you know they <clears throat> we, we would never use the term dispensary but yeah we do have um probably 20 you know 15 to 20 different varieties that we regularly have oh wow that's an impressive variety what's your favorite and what's the most popular among your your members well you know there's that, that gets into some of the really interesting stuff that we've found through the church uh, the most popular mushrooms tend to be some of the weakest uh and that's because you know if you have something like typically golden teacher tends to be one of the weaker strains um if you have something that's not super strong you're almost guaranteed to have a good time it's when you get into the really potent mushrooms that things can get really challenging. And, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, the, the testing that we've done through the church, we've seen a 40 to one ratio, meaning some mushrooms are 40 times stronger than others. So if you think wow. you're doing, if you think you're doing three grams of, the weakest mushroom that you're used to and you do three grams of the strongest mushroom we've tested that's equivalent to doing 120 grams of the mushrooms you're used to and of course that's that's a very extreme example but obviously if you do 120 grams when you thought you're going to do three grams you're gonna have a challenging trip no you won't doubt. die but you know it's it's going to be much harder than that three grams of the weakest mushrooms that you thought you were taking. Yeah, just trying to get my head around this. I'm thinking like comparing smoking a joint of Thai reefer to, you know, super skunk haze. I mean, it, it is a lot stronger. I, I, I can't really imagine though, you know, I, I mean, it, it, 40 times it, stronger it, than another. It, it's even more wild than that. It's like comparing the worst weed that you've ever seen to the best hash you've ever seen. 
you know, it's, these aren't concentrated, but they're just so strong that that's what the difference is. Mm -hmm. So I guess that dovetails pretty well into, yeah, discussing the high dose work you've been doing and, and the journey, I suppose you had through getting into mushrooms and, and very swiftly moving on to some pretty high doses and, and being inspired by the work of the late great Kalindi. Yeah, well, well, let, let me just start with some of the work we've been doing in the, the God sitters and then I'll, I'll trail into how I got into it. But sure. we have a pro the, the church has a project we call God sitters. And that's a house in the Oakland Hills that we use for doing high dose work. So <sighs> what happened was through overdosing people at that project, we started to understand where the limits are. And there was a, 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 a set of incidents where we got a new batch of mushrooms and nobody realized how strong it was. And somebody who had done 15 grams of mushrooms before um, did 15 grams of this new mushroom that her brother had grown. So it was, you know, she knew it was safe, but it turned out after the fact, once we got the test results and started figuring things out, she went to the equivalent of about 40 grams. So she thought she was going in at 15, but these, these new mushrooms were that much stronger that she went into a very difficult space that was far deeper than she planned to go. Um, and coming out of that, there was some rounds of testing where, you know, obviously <clears throat> I've done very high doses in the past. So 15 grams to me was a no, no brainer. I've done that before. I did 15 grams and I overdosed. Now, how did you manage that? And, and what happened to the woman you mentioned? I, I remember when we met in San Francisco last May, you mentioned it may have happened just just before then, before you started testing the shrooms for potency. Yeah, yeah. Th this is actually the story of what led us to do all this. So, again, the 15 from this woman, it was the most difficult trip that I've ever sat for we actually had to call her brother in to help calm her down. She was convinced that I was a cult leader and I had poisoned her. This is somebody that I've known for a long time too. So it, it makes it a little extra funny, but yeah. by far one of the most difficult um, sitting experiences I've ever had. And it really set her back. You know, the, the, this work is really important when you're talking about the the high dose or the the breakthrough dose, as I now call it. Um, but when you go too far, it can scare people away. And it did scare her away from doing the work for another almost a year before she picked it up again. Um, <clears throat> but so what what this all this all started us on is one to understand the potency, but two to really understand the psilocybin overdose and there's kind of three definitions of psilocybin overdose the first one is anytime you do more than you're ready for so if you're if it's just the most intense mushroom trip you've ever had but you're planning on having a relatively good time and hanging out with some friends but now you're just like incredibly uncomfortable and 
going way deeper than you had planned, that's an overdose. Um, but the the overdoses that we're concerned about is the first one that happens for people like myself who have done a lot of this high dose work is you don't remember the experience. So if you don't remember the experience, then why'd you do it? Yeah, sure. And if you're talking about somebody like me who's done, you know, I, I stopped counting at about 30 of these these large breakthrough doses that I've personally done. Um, the the memory isn't as important. My overdose where, you know, I, I only remember about 5% of the experience. I'm okay with not remembering the other 95% because it was a very intense experience where I was dealing with some shit on the other side that needed to be dealt with. But when you're talking about people getting through the healing part and getting past their trauma of this life, um, or even understanding what they are outside of this body, those are things that you really want to remember. You know, no if you're, yeah, if you're sitting down with your soul or God or a, a spirit guide and they're telling you you need to do something and you don't listen to it because you don't remember it, it it's not going to help you. That would so, be unfortunate, wouldn't it? You've just been told, you've been given the keys to the castle and you misplaced them on the way out. You don't even remember you have them. <laughs> you know, it, it, oh, well, I guess that's... It doesn't matter then, does it? Nothing lost. Nothing yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, but there may have been something there that you were, your soul sat down and told you, hey, you really need to do this. And now you're not going to do it because you don't remember it. Um, it's so, not going to be so happy with you. No. So, so do you meet your soul on the other side with, with these large doses? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But so the, the other overdose, so the, again, that's the mild one is you just don't remember it. The, the dangerous overdose is where the mushrooms take over your body. And this is where people will strip off their clothes and run down the street naked um, or just do all sorts of wild things that they don't remember because again, they're overdosed. They might get little glimpses of it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's really as if uh, something comes into your body and just takes it over. And that's um, what can lead in these rare, rare cases to folks really freaking out and like drowning or, or doing, doing something stupid and, and dying because it can't physically kill you though. The, the mushrooms ever, right? There's no recorded yeah. case. Right. I, well, there, there's there's a couple cases um, real, relative to medical conditions, um, and I'll I'll talk about those. But sure. it, the it, it, running down the street naked with a bunch of cars driving down the street is not going to be good for your health. No, no. You know that that that's uh, and you know what's worse is, is in those scenarios, like if you're sitting for somebody and you try to stop them from running out the, the door, um, there could be violence. You know, it, it becomes a, uh, a situation where you really got to know what you're doing to, to handle that situation. Because if you tell them, no, you can't leave the house, you have to stay here, it's dangerous out there, they might look at you as the enemy and do anything they can to get past you. So, um, <clears throat> you know, where where psilocybin 
generally isn't dangerous that the danger is in these these higher high high doses where people haven't done the work before and they go way too far to the point where the mushrooms are like oh this is interesting i'm in a human body um and that that's that's the real dangerous overdose so out of the the work that we've done at the God Sitter's house probably the last couple of years has really been to help us understand one, the potency of the mushrooms and two, a body weight ratio based on potency of the mushrooms and your tolerance to take people to the place that they're trying to go. So we don't take them too far and um, they can get the most they can out of the experience. And is this house used for like anything else on a on a day to day basis, or or does it simply exist as a shrine for these breakthrough doses for whenever anyone wants to do one? Yeah, it's it's just a ceremony house. It's a really nice house in the Oakland Hills. Um, you know, occasionally we'll if we got like a speaker in town or something like that, we'll let them stay there. But it really is dedicated for doing this high dose work imagine it may just only be the first i guess they're already opening in oregon and later in colorado although <clears throat> the doses are capped right yeah i mean there's still a lot of pe things that people don't understand about this stuff um you know one of the big ones is the body weight ratio and this you know it, it, it's funny because when i talk about it there's some people who go oh yeah well of course that that makes sense and there's other people who go oh no body weight doesn't matter but i promise you a hundred pound person and a 200 pound person will experience the same dose of psilocybin completely differently the hundred pound person will feel about double the effects of the 200 pound person mm -hmm. so factoring in body weight is a huge, huge gauge. Um, you know, there's other sensitivity factors too, as far as uh, tolerance. There, If you consume mushrooms, there's about a three week tolerance period before it completely leaves your system. So the work that we do at God Sitters, we tell people you should abstain from mushrooms for at least three weeks before you do one of these doses. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the main reason there is so that we know exactly where we're taking them. If you have a tolerance and we give you a dose that's supposed to be the breakthrough dose, you might not get there. And, you know, there, there's some techniques we have to be able to take people, even in those scenarios, take them further into it, but really the best scenario is that you just don't microdose. You don't consume any mushrooms for at least three weeks before this, this high dose experience. Um, so the, the experience it, it itself, you know, you, you, yeah. Cause you most asked, people like, in the psychedelic space don't go too far past five, six, possibly even seven grams. Right. And when when folks hear about 15 or 20 gram trips there's generally a bit of a shudder whereas yeah. whereas with other <clears throat> other psychedelics like you know possibly with peyote and dmt and maybe even ayahuasca folks you know pretty comfortable having you know l relatively large amounts 
I mean, I guess five grams of mushrooms is a large amount, but you don't all, it isn't always a breakthrough dose anyway. Well, well he, here's the problem. Like grams is the wrong, <laughs> the wrong gauge. Yeah. You know, we, what, what we really need to be doing is focusing on the psilocybin content. And, you know, I, I know um, out in the UK, you guys don't, I mean, you probably in the underground see some of the edibles that go around, but when you're talking about cannabis edibles um this day and age if you get a cannabis edible that's made by any halfway professional person they're going to tell you how many milligrams of thc is in the edible and that gives you a gauge to know how strong it's going to affect you if you were to just tell somebody oh there's an eighth in that okay well is it an eighth of the yeah. worst weed that i've ever seen or is it an eighth of hash? Because um, <clears throat> there's going to be a huge difference. You're just telling me there's an eighth of marijuana in there. Doesn't tell me how strong it is. And that that's the same thing that we've got with mushrooms is um, there's a bunch of chocolate bars going around that people are saying, oh, this has got three, four, five, seven, ten grams in it. Um, mm -hmm. But is that 10 grams of the weakest mushrooms that we've tested, or is it 10 grams of the strongest mushrooms we've tested? And I guarantee you, if it was 10 grams of the strongest mushrooms we've had tested, everybody who eats even half of that chocolate bar is going to have a, an overdose effect. Um, even probably, I mean, if, if, it, if you did have a 10 gram chocolate bar of the strongest mushrooms we had tested, even a piece of just one little corner of that, that chocolate bar is enough to overdose quite a few people. Um, so there's, there's this aspect of, you know, everybody talks about mushrooms like they know what they're talking about by saying, oh, well, do a gram and you'll have a good time. Do a half gram and it'll be nice and mild. Do an eighth if you want to have the intense ex experience, but you know, only do five grams when you're ready for the heroic dose. Well, <clears throat> you know, one of the, the people who regularly does work at the God Sitter's house, she had uh, 150% of her breakthrough dose the other day. And, um, you know, 150% of your breakthrough dose is like the most intense experience that you can imagine completely leaving your body out, dealing with things in the universe and this was off 2.7 grams. So when we're talking about like five grams, two grams, an eighth, any of those things, if you ignore the potency of the mushroom, um, you really don't know what you're talking about. So they and were some pretty, pretty potent 2.7 grams worth of mushrooms, right? They were some very potent 2.7 grams of mushrooms. It was it, enough psilocybin to take her to the 150% of her breakthrough dose. Um, and, and, you know, they, this is this is the problem that's that's really going on, because part of the thing where people are so terrified of these larger doses is because they've had an experience with an eighth that took them into what I define as a breakthrough dose. And they were like, wow, that was incredibly intense. Nobody should ever do more than that. And they're probably, I mean, there's a good chance that they're right. 
but what they don't understand is it had to do with the psilocybin content of the mushroom. So it's not that nobody should ever do more than an eighth. It's that if you're dealing with very potent mushrooms, an eighth could be a lot more than you think it is. Mm -hmm. So what happened on your first breakthrough dose and, and how many grams did you need to get there? And was there any fear in, in that moment when the mushrooms were subsuming your body? <laughs> Well, let, let, I'll, I'll just go through what got me into this work because I'm I'm relatively new to it. Um, you know, yeah. my my path with the mushrooms. Um, so I opened the church as a cannabis church, and this was January of 2019. At that point, cannabis was the only thing that I used. I consume a lot of it, um, but it was my uh, only connection to religion and it was the the plant that I had the best relationship with and I hadn't tried anything else now I'd been drawn to mushrooms for a long time and I was considering doing them um, before this all happened but you know that this the way things work out it's um it, it was just all meant to be so here I am running the cannabis church in uh, June, when they passed the lowest priority for law enforcement for all entheogenic plants in Oakland. Well, entheogenic means for religious and spiritual purposes. And here I am running a church for cannabis. And that that to me is a sign that, you know, I I need to provide access to, to other plants um, out of what they had listed and really the only one safe for people to take home and have their own experience is the mushroom. So already being drawn to them, I know I got to try them before the church starts providing them. Uh, my first dose is two grams. I get the fun effects, you know, everything wiggles. I see a little bit of funny stuff, but nothing really too intense. But knowing that um, I'm the leader of this church and we need to start providing it, I have to do the five gram heroic dose. Wow. So you basically got into consuming magic mushrooms and diving deep out of a sense of civic duty. Well, just again, if if my church is going to provide them, I'm going to be talking about them for spiritual purposes. I've got to understand this. Absolutely. So um, I do five grams, the heroic dose, extremely intense experience, uh, but I come out in a loop. And I say to myself over and over, you need to learn how to breathe and you need to do more mushrooms. And I must have said this to myself a hundred times. So once I sober up, I'm like, ah, what do you know, mushrooms? I'm breathing right now. I do that every day. But knowing that the lethal dose is somewhere around five pounds, um, I'm not worried about trying more. So letting my tolerance fade out a little bit after a couple of weeks, I do 10 grams <clears throat> and, you know, it, for context, I've never heard of anybody doing more than five at this point. Uh, but I know this is what I'm supposed to do. So another really intense experience, um, the, you know, with, with the real breakthrough dose, you see stuff this, I, I saw kind of like clouds. I could see, see the, the hints that there was something else there. Um, but 
another really intense experience. I came out in the same loop. You need to learn how to breathe and you need to do more mushrooms. Again, I said this to myself a hundred times. But well, this time it, because especially in our fast paced societies, often I think people don't breathe properly or, or they're kind of doing it wrong, pushing out their belly in the wrong moment or like actually breathing in when they're supposed to be breathing out was your breathing good do you think or or well no no here's the thing so after this dose i googled how to breathe <laughs> and if you google how to breathe you'll find a ted talk and you'll find doctors talking about how as a society we've forgotten how to breathe and what they're talking about is because we're concerned about the size of our bellies and we're sitting down at desks um you know, we've stopped breathing with the muscle that we have to breathe with, which is our diaphragm, and started breathing with the upper halves of our body. Now, in the TED Talk, the the woman asked the entire room to take a deep breath. And you see, when everybody takes a deep breath, they stand up straighter. Okay. And it's very obvious that they're breathing with their backs. Puffing their chests out, making themselves... Yeah bigger to face the world i mean why not you know it's a it's a, it's a tricky ass world out there and we're all just yeah well here, trying to make our way here, here's the problem and this is why doctors are talking about it because now you get into the elderly and their diaphragms have atrophied because they've stopped using it their entire lives and now they're having back problems which means they're having breathing problems so oh we God. we've got yeah story. we've got this we, we've got this society problem created because we're concerned about the size of our bellies when you take a deep breath your belly is supposed to go out that's how it works that's your diaphragm and your lungs working together so this uh, the th this is where things got really weird for me because how did i know that i didn't know how to breathe because after the first trip i was sure that the mushrooms were just just mushrooms. I, they, I, I, I couldn't imagine that they actually knew what I was doing. But then here's the fact that I'm physically breathing wrong. It took me about six months after that to retrain my body to use my diaphragm instead of the upper half of my body. Oh, wow. um, but how did I know that I didn't know how to breathe? And what I talk about is there's you know, I like to break it down into two possibilities, although at this point I consider them both to be true. One is that the mushrooms allowed me to connect with something deep inside myself that was then able to clearly communicate with me, yo, dude, you need to learn how to breathe. The other is that there's actually guides on the other side, and they knew that this was the first lesson that I needed to learn before I moved forward. Oh, now, wow. Quite possibly, yeah. quite possibly. I mean, the most powerful experience I've had with mushrooms, I think I ate about four grams of McKenna's. But yeah, I don't know where the psilocybin content is definitely million times stronger than many other occasions when I'd had four grams. But long story yeah. short, I ended up keeled over, not able to breathe. And then just something came into my mind, you've got to go home, like back to my mum's house, which I ended up doing a few days later, you know, spending time with her and, and my brother and my late father. But I wouldn't have done it otherwise if the mushrooms hadn't have told me and basically made me make this oath. And then once I'd made the oath, suddenly I could breathe better. And it was like 
this cord that had been like constricting all of my organs and my breathing mechanisms had been had been cut yeah that was you know in the context that i say that was your soul really slapping you in the face and saying hey you need to go do this and yeah, it, it's like a good that. thing you it, it's a good thing you listen to it um i i can't you know w without being you i can't tell you how or why it was so important but i'm sure it was important that you did that um but what you know when it, when it comes yeah I'm, I'm sure um when it comes to this breakthrough dose work it really all depends on how much you see um that that's kind of the gauge of of where this breakthrough experience is and there there's you know on our website we've kind of defined five different levels um but there there is definitely intense and profound work outside of the breakthrough dose before you get to the breakthrough dose so it, it's it's hard to say exactly where you were were without knowing the your exact body weight and your tolerance and the potency of the mushrooms mm -hmm. but <clears throat> it was clearly more than you thought it was going to be <laughs> right i mean that, that's that's um that's a fact um but you know that I didn't even so, mean to eat that much, to be honest. Anyway, they were just really tasty. They're not always that tasty, right? But these ones were they fresh? Barely, yeah. They were. They were. I mean, the the dudes were they still them, had them in bags. Were they still they were, wet or were they dry? I wouldn't say they were. They were dry, but they were still fluffy. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know when they're when they're still wet, like right after you pick them. They are delicious. They are one of the tastiest mushrooms that you can have. Um, you know, fried up with a little bit of butter. They're they're amazing. But you know, you got to be careful because you know, just because they're so tasty doesn't mean that you're eating something you want to be eating. Do they lose potency if you fry or cook them? Um, not significantly. You know, there's there's a bunch of misinformation out there about mushrooms, how to store them, how to dry them appropriately, um, what the factors are in in them being stronger or weaker. Um, but temperature is not as big of a problem as people think it is. Um, and that's because psilocybin doesn't actually start to break down until over 400 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's in my land, that's like <laughs> almost awesome. 800, 800 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> that's, that's really, um, that's an extreme temperature. Your oven doesn't go up that hot. Um, it, it's, <clears throat> if you're talking about drying mushrooms, um, you're, there's a lot of people who insist they have to be dried at almost no temperature, otherwise it's it's going to affect the mushrooms. The, the biggest factor is actually how much moisture is in them and how long the moisture sits in them, because mm -hmm. moisture will cause psilocybin to degrade. So if they're stored properly and extremely dry and in a cool, dark place, they'll be potent and last for almost ever. Um, but if you have them in an open bag, the water, the moisture from the air 
will actually start degrading the mushrooms. If you have them in an open bag exposed to sunlight, yeah. um, your mushrooms are going to degrade very rapidly and they're going to be really weak by the time you use them. So there's a, there's all sorts of different factors that go into um, the potency that you end up consuming. But more than likely, the ones you consumed were dried properly. They were strong mushrooms to begin with, and you had them within a time period that they didn't have a chance to to start to degrade. Um, but that's <clears throat> that's this whole potency thing that people need to understand. It, it's it's more than just um, per strain and. Every cubensis is not the same, you know, again, we've seen in the testing a 40 to one ratio. So if you think that all mushrooms are just mushrooms, you're wrong. Um, and then even within that, the, the potency within the same uh, bag or the same tub that they're grown in, they can vary up to 100% in potency within the same tub. So you can have one that's that tests uh -huh. at about, uh, yeah, one that tests at about 0.4% and another that tests at 0.8%. And that difference is incredibly different. And, and you know, again, th this fits into, this starts to explain some of the things that people have, who use a lot of mushrooms have observed. Um, the, occasionally you'll get that one mushroom in the bag that, kicks your ass more than all the others mm -hmm. that's not in your head that's actually a stronger mushroom so there, there's a lot of stuff like that that gets into um what you're actually consuming but then this breakthrough dose so you know getting getting back to my path i did the the five and then i did the 10 well i came out in that 10 in that same thing you need to learn how to breathe and do no, more mushrooms well I, I learned how to breathe, but then that next step was do more mushrooms. So this is where I did 15 grams, uh, again, letting my tolerance clear out for a couple of weeks before doing this. Um, and that was the first breakthrough dose that I had. Um, it was indescribable in many ways. I saw consciousness faces communicating with me in every object that existed i was literally talking to the walls and they were telling me they were happy to see me and that i could finally see them um and then it ended with these three golden beings sitting me down and telling me why i went through everything in my life and what they needed me for and what i was here to do um Basically, what they told me is that everything that I'd gone through in the cannabis industry, from working on initiatives to fighting court cases and, and being a real activist in that, that was all training for what they were going to need me to do with the mushrooms. And they needed me because I was somebody who was capable of understanding them, and I was capable of defending them in court. And they told me that's that's what I needed to do. So... I've kind of been on this path ever since, but that's that's really what got me into the breakthrough dose. Um, Incredible. The... And knowing how to breathe helped you, I suppose. Well, that, that was it. That experience, otherwise you, you might even risk freaking out. 
Yeah, the the breathing thing, honestly. So I did uh, after the fifteen. I did a a few weeks later. I did a twenty, and then I did a thirty as as this part of this like training exercise that the mushrooms were were taking me on, and. I hadn't fully learned how to breathe, but I was on the path to learn. I had recognized, hey, you, you're going to have to retrain your body to use your diaphragm. So mm -hmm. even though when I went into my 20 gram and 30 gram trips, I hadn't fully gotten to the point where I'd trained my body to breathe right, um, the, the forces on the other side were like, that's good enough. You'll figure out the rest. And um, the 30 gram trip was the first time that I actually had a trip sitter. Uh, I don't recommend doing any of this high dose work without a trip sitter, but the 30 gram trip was, was with a trip sitter. And there's one point where I'm on the floor and she's telling me just remember to breathe. And that, that in the moment was, um, what I needed to hear. I wasn't in this space. I was traveling through, um, di different dimensions of a circle of gods staring at me as I floated up through them. And I could somehow hear her vi voice saying, just remember to breathe. And um, the, Incredible. it was... Well, that's the benefit of having a trip set of folks. If the, if the mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> aren't telling you how to breathe, you may as well just get a human being to do it. But I'm, yeah, inter I'm interested, like beyond this being part of a, of a calling for you and understanding the depths of, of such a powerful experience and in fact over time learning to breathe were there any other therapeutic or spiritual benefits for you in in doing this deep journey oh yeah i i mean absolutely this is so prior to uh working with the mushrooms you know i would consider myself spiritual but not necessarily religious um, I, I considered cannabis to be the closest connection that I had to anything else that existed, a spirit that I had been working with, <clears throat> but I had no real knowledge of what else there was. And I didn't know that there was even a way to have firsthand experience to what happens after we die. Mm -hmm. Um, post having these experiences and doing all the work that I've done, I'm very comfortable talking about God and what your soul is and what the point of all this work is. And to me, this is, well, we, we, we trace our lineage back to about 2.5 million years ago when our ancestors that were pre-human first came across the mushrooms, um, which is a whole interesting story on its own, because that was something that somebody went into one of these high dose spaces and lived the life with the original tribe of apes that found the mushrooms. So <laughs> there's a lot of things that have, have come out of come out of this work, but without a doubt, it's um, <clears throat> changed my perspective on life, death, uh, God, religion, the forces that are controlling everything around us. Um, but really most importantly, what our soul is and how we have a connection to it yes and so many of us the the connection is yeah a bit severed we we don't do what's necessarily in our, in our best interests all of the time and, and there's so many pressures upon us though 
So it's not it's not necessarily about blaming oneself. It's about finding one's spiritual path, I suppose, and and figuring all this stuff out. But yeah, I wonder. Right. Would you say you're happier in in your in your day to day life as a result of all of these experiences? Oh, without a doubt. I'm I'm definitely more content um, in, in mm -hmm. every way possible. And, and you know, one of there, there's a there's so many things that comes out of this high dose work. One of the big ones that I have been reluctant to talk about in the past, but it's it's been shown to be true, and it's something very even personal to me. Is this is a cure to suicide, <clears throat> and why I say that is the the people who are able to go the deepest, the easiest with this work are are ones who or don't want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. And the the thing that where a lot of the bad mushroom trips come out of um, is people trying to get out of the trip. And one of the big um, causes of that is experiencing physical death. You know, being at a point where you recognize that's my dead body on the floor and I am no longer alive. Well, if you're suicidal, that's what you thought you wanted. Now, but here's the thing, when you're suicidal, that's your your goal is that everything turns off. So now you're in a position where you recognize you're dead, but the lights didn't turn off. There's more here, it keeps going. And in fact, this is even more complicated than what you were just dealing with. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, there, there's I suppose that. If, if one is feeling suicidal, 15 grams of mushrooms is is a sure bet to to wake you up. Yeah, I, I mean, what what I often say is, you know, let me kill you, and then you'll come back. But if you want to die, let us kill you, and then you can see what the other side is. So do um, you have folks that are in these sorts of situations that come and do the high dose yeah. work at the at the God House? Yeah, yeah, we, we've we've had a, a few of them now, um, and, and including myself. You know, I've it, at different points in my life, I've dealt with um, suicidal thoughts, and even after doing this work, I've been in some really, really, really low places where uh, the old version of me might have actually tried something, or even worse, actually done something. Oh um, the 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 difference is when after you've done a bunch of this work and you really understand one, everything happens for a reason. You're going every through everything as part of a lesson. And the worst thing is it doesn't just end. And when you really know those things at, from your own personal experience, um, you know, not just from me telling you it, but you, you've <laughs> experienced that these are the truth. You're now in that situation where you're like, man, I wish I could kill myself. I wish it worked <laughs> like that. So what happens and, and, after death then, according to your experience with with these trips? Well, I mean, we, you know, it, it, it sounds a little cliche, but we don't die. You know, the, it, our soul is something that exists outside of space and time. Yeah. And, you know, understanding this gets into a whole bunch of different things like, what your path is, what you came here to do. Um, there's a bunch of things that like in, 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 in different 
groups people talk about in different ways. And one, one of them example is like a soul contract. There's, there's some people who say, oh, you have a contract with your soul of something you're supposed to do. And to me, that's, that's almost right. It's not that you have a contract, it's that you are your soul and it decided to come into this space and time for a specific reason. So it's not like you have a, a contract with them, it's that you are them and you came here for a reason, you just forgot what it is. Um, so doing this work, you can go have, a have direct communication with your soul and get back on that path. Um, and the other thing, you know, I describe it as a path. So if you're on the right path and you're doing what your soul came here for, it's like everything you need is just lined up right in front of you. Mm -hmm. And this is this is also, you know, another thing people talk about is manifesting. Well, to me, you're not really manifesting everything, anything. Everything is already there right in front of you. You just have to be open to see it and to find it. So if you're in the mindset of manifesting, looking for the things that you need, um, you're more likely to find those things because they were already there for you. You just have to be open to recognize them. Um, a, a good example is a story about a, a, a woman who's who wanted a new kitchen and her kitchen burnt down and she was trying to manifest a new kitchen. She didn't realize that the form that it would take was her kid playing with matches and accidentally burning up the kitchen. So in a native mindset, you might be thinking, oh, this is so horrible. I lost my grandmother's fine china and and all the, the downsides that could come out of having a complete burnt out kitchen. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, she was in the manifesting mindset of like, oh, well, I guess insurance is going to help me pay for that new kitchen I needed. <laughs> um, so that yeah. that wasn't to me, the kitchen was going to burn down either way. It wasn't the manifesting that made her kitchen burn down. It was the manifesting mindset that allowed her to recognize this potentially yeah, not, traumatic not event. In, in self-pity or annoyance of yeah. the fire. In, in yep. the Napoleon Hill book, Think and Grow Rich, he gives the anecdote of when his child was born practically with, with deformed ears. And he said he just refused to accept it. Like the, the father, yeah. Napoleon, just refused to accept it and ingrained that into his into his son. And little by little he had can hear a few bits and pieces. And then one day an, a company created a new hearing aid and it just totally rectified his his issue. But Napoleon Hill says that he believes that without that mindset he wouldn't have got to the point where he could have been that receptive to, to a hearing aid. I mean, all this stuff is, is a little bit woo, but yeah. at least in my experience of diving into the whole manifesting stuff, it is just, a, it's simply about mindset and it's about positivity and seeing things. Well, and, and trying to, you say, and, and not trying to recognize away. the things. Yeah, exactly. Trying to recognize what's already right in front of you. You know, it, it's, yeah. if you need it, if, if you're on the right path and you need it, it's going to be there because your soul put it there for you. That, that's how this game actually works. Your soul came here for a reason and it's trying to do something. So if you're in alignment with it and you're walking down the right path, 
everything just feels easy. It's nice and paved. It's an easy walk. It's, it's what you're supposed to be doing. If you take a right turn and now you're going up a hill through the jungle, it's not going to feel so good. You're you're going to have to, you know, take your machete out and whack down some bushes. You're going to probably trip on some rocks. You might have a, a nasty snake try to bite you. You know, who knows what's going to happen, but it's not going to feel good. So it, it's really, to me, what's happening is your soul is trying to get you back on the path it's saying hey stop doing what you're doing and if you keep trying to go up that hill um you know eventually you're going to get hit harder and harder and harder until you get back on the right path or you're just going to suffer the rest of your existence it makes me think about folks in india who who travel as pilgrims to northeastern city of Varanasi to be burned at the banks of the Ganges because they believe that to be cremated there allows one to escape the afterlife. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think that's true, but you know, the, the, um, you know, the, 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 one of the problems is there's a whole bunch of, pieces of truth in different religions um you know I, I focus on christianity a bunch but you know it's um there's little bits of pieces in almost every religion that exists that are true tales of what happens on the other side but then man has kind of come along and messed things up for different reasons and i i can't tell you if going down to the banks of the Ganges and getting cremated over there is actually going to affect your spiritual presence. I don't think so. Um, but I, I don't know. I haven't done it. So, um, <laughs> but so, so it, how what, many what people I, have done these breakthrough doses with you then? I know your church has got more than a hundred thousand members now. And in one of the leaflets, you do sketch out what, larger doses could look like for people and, and how to safely do them yeah well so through the god sitters project we've only had a couple dozen that regularly do work um you know the, this is <clears throat> part of what we're doing is trying to um learn all the lessons to keep people safe so probably one of the biggest things that was a hang-up for us and is now getting to the point where we understand it um, to be able to keep people safer is this overdose thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't, we don't charge for any of this work. It's all, everybody that comes through is a Guinea pig. And we, we tell them that we're, we're trying to understand these things, but we, we have understood a lot more, but we, we've had a couple dozen. Another journalist and he, he came and, and visited you and it was going to be part of his story. We won't mention him because I know the lawyers cut it. But we spoke oh, okay. afterwards, and he had, I know such exactly a, he had such who you're an incredible. He had such an incredible experience. I think he took ten grams, and you could see it. You could see it in his eyes. He, he had a really, really, yeah, healing and powerful and and fun, albeit challenging journey. Yeah. No. Well, and and he he's actually somebody that I need to contact and and get to do another one of these doses because one of the problems that he had is he was going through the dose trying to report on it and uh, you know the like, talk was he talking to record stuff 
Well, it, it's more like so the the border between this world and the next. I, I like to kind of describe it like a wall, and you know the when you've done a lot of this work, you just get catapulted to the other side of the wall, and then you're just wandering around doing your thing. Um, the the dose where we say the breakthrough dose works or starts is when you're sitting on that wall, mm-hmm. and he was basically sitting on that wall, but being pulled to the other side and trying to hold onto the wall at the same time so he could talk about it. Um, so it, it's really, I, I don't, I, I do, the more people who do this, the better. But I don't recommend that you um, try to do one of these doses to report on it. I, I think it's much more important that you do one of these doses to get through something in your life and just go into that experience. Yeah. And then if you're going to report on it, then report on it. But um, no he, he, yeah, yeah it, it definitely for if and when you do one of these with us, um, you know, the, the key is to make sure that you're, you know, the reason you're doing this is not for a story. The story is the the extra bonus. The reason you're doing this is to know why you exist, um, what you're supposed to do in life, how to get over whatever specific trauma is really bothering you at the moment. Um, there's a whole bunch of reasons to do these doses, but uh, it, it's best to focus on one of those than trying to focus on, on doing a story. But still... Again, it was one of the most memorable and important experiences of his life, regardless of the fact that he could have gone a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just with anything, especially a, a powerful psychedelic experience, if if one goes into it without the clarity of purpose, and then suddenly it's extremely intense, then you could end up getting a bit lost at sea. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's all sorts of you know when you especially when you get into this work and you don't know that you're getting into this work that's that's really where the biggest problems happen um you know if you like your experience with your four grams of mushrooms that just toppled you over um if you get if you think you're going to have a good time at a concert or you know walking around the the woods and you take a large dose that kicks you out of your body um, and you don't know that that's going to happen. It, it's, it, it's not going to be a good experience. Um, you know, it, it physically uh, leaving your unattended body in the middle of the woods or uh, having the EMS freak out because you seem to be uh, comatose on the ground it's not going to help your ceremony. The, the, the importance of what, what we do with this, this high dose work is you have a bed and a bathroom right next to each other. Um, and you're in a safe, safe place to do this work. So, and, and you know, it's going to happen. Um, and this, you know, again, the, the potency is something I, I can't talk enough about because you could have, two grams and go into this place the the woman that i talked about who's who's done a bunch of this work and and had 150 percent at 2.7 grams those weren't even the strongest mushrooms we've had tested 
you know, at the strongest mushrooms we have had tested, her breakthrough dose would be something like 1.1 or 1.2 grams. So if, or the 150%, excuse me, the 150% of her breakthrough dose with the strongest mushrooms we've had tested would be at like 1.2 grams max. So a gram could be enough to send somebody into a, a state that they're not ready for. And that um, may be why some people sometimes have bad trips, right? Because they've 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 taken a mushroom and it and it's like quintuple the amount of strength that they thought it was, and they were they were just at a festival and they, you know, actually they need if they're going to eat this mushroom, they need to be, you know, locked in locked in a room on on a futon. Yeah, with a bathroom next to them, you know. So yeah, so raising awareness and- of the varying and divergent strengths of mushrooms it seems to be a, a very laudable aim to to come out of your church and the kind of mass experiment that's happening in in real time from providing access to so many people in oakland and maybe people even come from outside of oakland to access access oh, yeah. your church we, we have people from all over the world but you know what what i actually find a lot more concerning other than our hundred thousand members is there are there are people who are shipping mushroom chocolates all over the U.S. and really all over the world. Mm-hmm. There, there's one branded chocolate that I won't name, but has been known to be producing somewhere close to a million bars a month and shipping them out all over the world. So, you know, th- this is without potency testing or the general public even knowing anything about how much psilocybin they're consuming because when when you talk about cannabis and you say oh well that's got 10 milligrams in it or that's got 100 milligrams in it you you have an idea of what the effects are going to be the 10 milligrams is going to be mild the 100 milligrams is going to be pretty strong but when you're using a gauge like an eighth of mushrooms you have no idea is that is that uh, 10,000 micrograms of pure psilocybin or is that 100,000 micrograms of pure psilocybin and just to just to make this make a little bit of sense so a 100 pound person has a breakthrough dose at um, 20,000 micrograms of pure psilocybin so you know, the, the strongest mushrooms that we've had tested have 26,600 micrograms per gram. So one gram of those is enough to put a hundred pound person into a, a state pretty far past their breakthrough dose. You know, it, it it's, it's really something that people need to understand and be talking about. But when you're talking about these people just producing mushroom chocolates and sending them all over the world, you have no idea what you as consumer receive. Um, You you don't know, is this a synthetic um, mushroom analog? You don't know. These chocolates, I I understand, are actually these synthetic analogs i wonder would would you be in favor then of a regulation of mushroom 
dispensaries in, in which people wouldn't need to present like a doctor's note let's say so it could even be for recreational purposes yeah no so there's there's a um because that seems to be mission. what's happened with cannabis right the regulation has forced forced folks to add packaging and then that's just influenced the wider space and it's become a norm yeah you know honestly when it comes to psilocybin to me psilocybin and cannabis are similar but really different um, there's actually an initiative that I filed in California. Unfortunately, we're not going to make it to the ballot in 2024. There's just no way at this point. But what it would do is set up a, a medical psychedelics system. So you would have to go to a doctor to get a recommendation before you do psychedelics. And <clears throat> quite frankly, I think that's the most responsible thing to do with psychedelics. And not necessarily because we need the doctor to really dig too deep into the person, but there are medications that affect things and some health conditions. I mentioned earlier when you're like, oh, nobody's died of psilocybin. There have been a couple deaths. Um, one of the scariest is a 24-year-old heart transplant patient who's body rejected her heart on a higher dose of psilocybin oh my god yeah so um <clears throat> if you have that? a heart trans uh where was that i i don't remember i i this was some uh intense research i was doing a few years back but uh mm -hmm. since then i've actually heard of a couple other in incidences of people with with heart problems having a problem with with psilocybin um and there's a couple reasons for it you know yeah, it, it does get the heart rate going pretty quick well it, especially if you're seeing something terrifying um but you know that that's a little different than your body rejecting an organ because uh, again when when you're activating everything with psilocybin um your consciousness is now looking at things in different ways and you have something in your body that's not of your body. Um, it's probably not a good thing. I, I, in fact, I don't really recommend anybody with transplanted organs do higher doses of psilocybin or really do psilocybin at all. Um, so, you know, there's, there's factors like that where that's a really easy thing for a doctor just to have a questionnaire. Do you have any heart conditions? Do you have any transplanted organs? And then you have a filter so that people don't have these problems. There's also medications. Um, SSRIs tend to uh, to deaden the effects of, of psilocybin. So if you're on a bunch of uh, SSRIs, your, your dose is, you're going to need a lot more psilocybin to get there. There's That's also where you get a, a potential for uh, running into problems like serotonin syndrome, um, you know. So if you if you're taking some medication that's affecting your serotonin system, you you should be aware of the effects, and maybe you want to try to cut that out before doing the the psilocybin. And then on the other side, MAOIs um, incredibly enhance the the psilocybin effect. So if you're if you're on uh, an MAOI, 
and you take a small amount of psilocybin, you might accidentally have a breakthrough dose when you're not trying. Um, so there's a bunch of there's a bunch of factors that really it's very appropriate for a doctor just to have a 15, 20 minute conversation with you and make sure that you're healthy and you understand the, the risks involved in um, consuming these and the different health effects that might happen if you do. So do you ask folks about all of these conditions when they fill out the membership form? I remember there were quite, quite a few questions, but I, I, I don't recall the specifics. Uh, we ask this, this is mainly when we're doing the high dose work. Um, when you join the church, uh, we, we do provide as much information as we can, but we don't do a health screening. Uh, we're not doctors. We're, we're not qualified to do those sort of things. Um, but in my perfect world, there would be uh, dispensaries providing psychedelics and a, a doctor would make sure that everybody who... Yeah wants to access these things is just physically healthy before they're given out. Um, in that world, if that world existed, the church would still exist. We would just have a dispensary attached to the church. So, you know, it's right now what we do is provide access because there's no safe access. You know, it, it's not, it's not because this is, the only way for us to be what we are. I mean, it is the only way for us to be what we are in this current legal environment, but in a perfect world, the church would focus on the context and the things that happen when you do these doses and, and how to properly do this work. And a, a part of the church would be a separate dispensary that, that was regulated at some level and that there was a, you need a, to talk to a doctor before um, actually getting any of these things. Now, out of the 100,000 people that we've had come through, um, we have had a few problems. I mean, nothing majorly severe that, that has um, stopped us from continuing to do what we do, but we, we've, you know, 100,000 people is a lot of people. You're going you're gonna to find some that have some problems. Um, what sorts of problems have they encountered? Well, typically the biggest problem is uh, a bad trip. They they just didn't know that mushrooms could do this, and they thought that they knew everything about mushrooms. Um, some of the funnier things are are people claiming that we put something else in the mushroom. There's no way that's mushrooms. That's that's just that's not what mushrooms are because they know everything about mushrooms. And, um, you know, that that's unfortunate that they had that experience that they think that, but the whole reason the church exists, um, being able to provide the sacrament is so that if you do have a problem with it, there's somebody you can come back to and you have a level of trust that, you know, we're not, we're not putting anything else in the mushrooms. This is what it says it is. And where possible, we provide test results. So it's, um, you know, that, that it, it, the other extremely rare um, thing, but we've had a couple of people who are addicted to mushrooms. And, you know, the, the crazy thing is that 
you know, the, these are also people that were the, the one that I'm thinking in particular is somebody that's got some autism issues and they were really finding that the mushrooms were helping them be normal. But they got to a point where they're consuming a quarter of mushrooms and driving a car and going to class and doing things that I would consider to be impossible to do if I was on seven grams of mushrooms. But because their tolerance is so high, that seven grams to them is effectively like a microdose. And, you know, you, you we, 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 we've dealt with that uh, of trying to get that person back into the right space and, and get them off. But it, it's really, um, you know, if you're in a situation where you don't, you already don't feel normal um, before you ever tried the mushrooms and the mushrooms are the first thing to, to make you feel normal. Um, There is extremely rare, but we've seen people that you would define as addicted to mushrooms. And to me, it's, it's really an abuse of the mushroom. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're doing it to feel normal and, you're able to consume seven grams and drive a car really the use that you're getting out of mushrooms is much more like a microdose and you need to cut that tolerance out and get back on a microdosing protocol where you mm-hmm. where you because the tolerance, make sure your tolerance develops so so quickly but i guess yeah. for, for listeners in the uk if if we could just sketch a bit more of a picture of your church so it's in the sort of residential area of Oakland, which is just outside San Francisco, it's a side door or a side door. And there's a couple of security guards just inside. And yeah, as in America, that they're armed and you'll, you'll go through a kind of airport style security thing, leave your bag, go in. And I don't know when I was there, maybe isn't representative now, because I know before the pandemic, you had like more of a kind of church like, offering so i wonder what what the offering looks like at the moment and yeah if you could give us like an idea of where all the funds go and if there are any profits because obviously you you guys are shifting a whole load of mushrooms yeah well there's there's no money that i'd call profit you know it, it all really goes back into either lawyers or projects that the church is doing um, you know, the, when when it comes down to the reality that we're facing, we we are looking at a, a potential raid by a government agency um, that's already happened once. That happened in uh, August of 2020. Um, yeah, how you know, much come they, uh, About two hundred thousand worth of sacrament and about uh, five grand worth of cash. Um, it it was really 200 grand's worth of mushrooms on site at any one time. Well, I I did at that point. Um, You know, that was probably not the best plan, uh, but we, we got them a little too comfortable for a second. And, you know, that, that's, that's uh, a mistake that, you know, it it had to happen. And since the raid, we went from 20,000 members to, I think it's 103,000 at this point. So it didn't really hurt us. In fact, that's why most people even know we exist is because we got raided. But for the most part, if there were 
if I ever had piles of cash sitting around, I expect them to want to come take them. And it, it's either the cops or the robbers. And, you know, and we're not safe from either, unfortunately. Um, and given where we are in Oakland, too, um, you know, you're, you're not from around here, but we're in a we're in a designated high crime area of Oakland. So it, it's uh, that's why we've got two armed security guards at the door and the whole place is a little bit like a fortress. Um, un unfortunately, that's just the reality of of Oakland um, and especially doing something like what we're doing. Uh, but once you get in, well, when you come next, you'll be blown away. We've started a mural project over the whole inside of the building. So it looks like a oh, great. it looks like a trip as soon as you walk in the door. Um, prior to the pandemic, we did I was doing sermons every Sunday at 420 where I'd pass out joints and I'd get up and talk about cannabis mushrooms, uh, religion, and my own personal work with these high doses. Um, and it was really a, a, a opportunity for the community to get together and talk to each other and talk to me about experiences they were having. Um, since the pandemic and since we have over 100,000 members now, doing that on a regular basis is, is challenging. Um, which is why we do the the Easter Sunday event. That's our big push is uh, Easter weekend, uh, a two day event, which uh, Saturday is kind of a conference uh, and Sunday is less of a conference and more focused on really the spiritual aspects and and an Easter sermon. Um, <clears throat> but the when you walk into the church, there's first the front desk where you register and and answer our questions so we make sure that you you understand what we're doing and uh you have to fill out or sign a, a membership agreement and a couple pieces of paper um and then there's a large space where we're actually currently remodeling it used to have these these pews in it but we're replacing those with with church chairs just to make it more flexible um, but the sermon slash lounge space, um, once we're done with the remodel, we're going to open it back up to what we were doing prior to the pandemic. So prior to the pandemic, the church space was also where people could just hang out and consume cannabis and talk to each other. Um, again, yeah. another thing that was a little hard to do with the pandemic going on. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, even um, when I came in May, folks in san francisco were still routinely wearing masks so obviously we were requested to put a mask on when when we came in yeah and we're still doing that especially at the open spot because it's it's a relatively small building and we get so many people going through there that you know what we've had covid rip through at least four or five times where half the staff gets sick and you know, there, there was when things were really bad at one point, a couple of days, we had to like close for the day because the, everybody was sick. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, COVID hasn't gone away. Um, you know, there's better treatments for it and there's vaccines for it. And there's, you know, we, we know how to handle it a lot better. But, you know, it, it's still it's still an issue and it's still something we're dealing with.
Yeah, um, I guess just wearing but, a mask in church prevents that intercommunication between the the members really and maybe relating in a more deeper way the masks can prevent yeah i i'm you know personally i'm not a fan of the masks it, it's it's it just it's something is better than nothing um yeah. and it, it it's been one of those really difficult things for us to to deal with because there's you know there's a freedom aspect that people push and there's an uncomfortable aspect that's the reality of it i mean wearing one of those masks makes it harder to breathe and it it, it makes it harder to talk and you know it it's it's not fun but when you you know when when you have 500 plus people a day coming through uh, a relatively small space um things can get bad pretty quick mm -hmm. so uh but regardless once once we finish the remodel we're going to open the the space up again to do lounge uh activities and we're going to do some events there too um and then just past the the lounge is or, or the the church space is the sacrament room, and this is where we have a variety of different um, cannabis and mushroom sacraments for people to access. Um, these are all just, you know, again, we, we want to make sure that people have safe access to these tools to be able to do the work. Uh, in a perfect world, we would have something where there were people had doctor's recommendations and we can know that they're they're physically healthy um as it is we do warn people as best as we can and we make sure they know if they have any problems that we're here for them all right well i think that's a great note to leave this super interesting conversation thanks very much for your time dave here's your chance to add something on a, a parting shot a final note a goodbye message to our listeners well I, I think the biggest thing that everybody should know is to check out our website ambrosia.church um, this is where we have a dosage calculator we've got all the research that we've done uh, testing results for mushrooms uh, trip sitting guides and just a whole bunch of useful information if you're if you're using mushrooms and how to be safe. So uh, well, what's the easiest way then for the average person to test their own mushrooms? Uh, how, how, how much are these machines? I guess they haven't, they haven't invented the, you know, kind of mass production one that you might, you might have for weed, weed yet. And even no, then, I mean, they're cheap. That, that's, that is one of the big problems. I mean, al although I talk that everybody should have these testing, there isn't, there isn't a lot of good home options yet. Um, I have seen some things coming. There's some test strips that will give you a little bit of a, a gauge on, on how close it is. Kind of like one of those pH test strips where you dip it in a liquid and it'll tell you, oh, this has about this amount of psilocybin. Uh, and lab testing is getting more... Um, more available there's a couple different organizations that you can mail your stuff to um, it is kind of expensive right now if you don't have access to a lab the the key is to start small you know don't don't think uh, a mushroom is a mushroom 
like before you and a group of friends take a batch of mushrooms one of you should take a small amount and just kind of gauge them and if you take a small amount and you don't feel much then you know they're probably fun mushrooms if you take a small amount and you leave your body well you know those are extremely strong mushrooms and everybody should take less than you took but like we discussed earlier, there's also just such a wide disparity even within the same batch, right, of potency. Yeah. So, so what, I, what I really recommend is grinding the mushrooms up uh, so you homogenize them and everybody's taking the same amount. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you're, if you're really trying to do something with a group, um, I find making tea is one of the easiest and then you can kind of gauge, well, okay, so you're double the size of this guy. So you get twice the amount and you're half the size of this person. So you get half mm-hmm. the amount and you can kind of roughly gauge things based on the volume of liquid that you're giving people. Um, the other nice thing is if you're making a larger batch of tea, you're also by the nature of what you're doing, homogenizing all of the mushrooms together. So everybody's getting the same potency of tea that they're consuming. Um, but there's not really an easy way I, I wish we were at a point where i could say oh yeah well just go down to your local drug store and get this and you can test the mushrooms or something like that but there's we're, we're not there yet and in fact like legally there's there's only two states that have allowed for these things to be used in any sort of context you know that's oregon and colorado and they're at the beginning of it so we're we're really in this this underground market that's barely getting started that um although these things are extremely important and you need to understand that there is a huge um variation in the potency of mushrooms there's not a really good solution for you to be able to say oh well these mushrooms are exactly this strong so if you have to do it without a, a lab, the, the big key is just trying a smaller amount of mushrooms before you try a larger amount of mushrooms. Or grind or them be- down, grind them down, and then, then take a little bit. That's some really practical advice. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really the best, the best thing. I mean, if you, and as long as the mushrooms are stored in a cool, dry place, ideally with one of those silica desiccant packets inside them, um, they'll last for a long time ground up. Um, but grinding them together really helps you homogenize them and make sure that every time you do them, you're doing the same stuff. Um, and again, even from that, you you need to make sure that before you take a bunch of it or before there's a you and your buddies are going to do some that first somebody who has some experience with mushrooms try some and if you're if you're trying mushrooms and you don't have any experience with them um, ideally somebody around you has tried them and can be the sober sitter to to watch what happens to you but any way you would look at it you want to start small um but again, we, we've got all this really good information on the ambrosia.church website um, as far as like, you know, the, the different test results that we've done. So you can kind of see that 
some strains are a little more consistent than others, but really it's kind of all over the place. Um, the dosage calculator we have has a, a traditional mode in addition to, if you know the test results of the mushrooms, you can calculate things differently, but just having an idea of what the different ranges are and really importantly is knowing that you have that body weight and tolerance makes a huge difference. Thank you.